Hey everyone, producer Chris here. Uh, just a note, we actually have an interview with HR Bellicosa that will be happening right after this episode ends. So please uh, stick around after the credits and enjoy a nice conversation that Katie, Sarah, and HR all had together. Um, just a note, the audio is a little choppy. Uh, sorry about that. We'll work to get better next time, but the all the content's still there. And I think it was a good chat. All right. <laughs> Hello. Hi, everybody. This is Sarah Westcott. This is Katie Willie. And this is To Be Read. A podcast where we talk about books and the cocktails that go with them. Yes. And if you are with us often, like Anthony, <laughs> uh, you know this is, this is our second episode of the day. We are recording a, a twofer yeah. today. Double header. Double header. Um, so Katie, like our preamble is going to be a little different today. Yeah, because we already did one. We already did one. But I do have books to tell you about. Yay! Um, so I read The Housemaid by Frida McFadden. Yeah! <laughs> uh, book club book. Read it before. Discussed yes. that already. Um, the other book I read, uh, outside my normal genre is called The Rose Code. Um, I think I mentioned it to you that it crossed my plate and I was like, this is interesting. Yeah. It's, um, three women during World War II working in England breaking German codes. So one's a crossword puzzle. Interesting. Not. One has multiple languages so she can um, translate the German. Yeah. And then one's very technical with like the actual aspects of the decoder machine. Yeah. And I fucking loved it. Yeah. And it was super historical fiction. Um, the only gripe I would have about it is that it was over 600 pages, which is a lot, but it, it didn't feel a lot while I was reading it. Okay. It just took up a lot of my so reading So it didn't bog time. you down a ton? Like, yes. Okay. Okay. And I loved it. It was... I, it, I just want to break good. in there really quickly just because on, on there, I, I was talking to my sister. She has, like, picked up reading again, and she just recently read The Nightingale. Okay. So, which, very yeah, World yeah, War II-y. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, you're going to sob towards the end. Wait, or, was like, Nightingale World War II? Yes, The Nightingale. The French Revolution. No, no, no. The Nightingale was the one with the sisters who... Um, they lived in that big house, and yeah. the one went and became the, Oh, right, 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 yes. right. In yeah. France. Yes. Yeah. Yep. But yep. not French Revolution. No. Okay, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So she liked it. She did. She loved it. She loved it. I, listen, I sent a picture of it to my dad, and I was like, surprise, surprise, look what I'm reading. And he was just like, oh, I'm glad you like it, or something. And historical fiction always leads you around to, like, looking up history, and you should look up Bletchley Park, which is apparently this whole big, huge thing. And I, I, I didn't. Because then now we're like real history, and I don't really give a fuck about real history. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but listening this, the women's stories. It's by Kate Quinn. It was great. I loved it. She also wrote um, the Alice Network, which I think is Alzheimer's. Oh, okay, um, okay. Which I was aware of, but I've never read. Um, but when I picked up this book from the library, the girl the libraries are like, "Oh, her books are so good," and I was like, mm, "Thank you." Yeah, I take your word for that until I'm done. So those are the two I've read. Okay. Since we last discussed books. Since we last discussed books just, <laughs> just a couple ago. of minutes ago. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah for sure. Um, great. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> I I just, obviously, I love talking books with you and I love, like, hearing about new things. I had seen the Kate Quinn one come across your thing and I was oh like, that was pretty interesting. It was, it, it was cool because okay. the girls didn't know each other at all. Yeah. Um, the two, it's like two girls got uh, somehow assigned to 
go to this place. And I don't even really remember exactly the specifics, but they both ended up on the train to go to this Bletchley Park, which was where the, the secret code breaking was happening. Um, and they got stuck boarding at this woman's house who had a daughter. Um, the daughter's whole life was essentially there to just be her mother's servant. Um, who ended up being an amazing crossword puzzle solver. And they tried to take this girl, like, out just to to break her outside of her house and just be like, there's other things besides your mom and holding the Bible up when she's mad at you. Yeah, yeah. So pulling her out, and then she ends up getting sucked right into the coding, and they're like, you should try it. And she just, just... dives headfirst into it i'm gonna put this on my list i will tell you that there is of the 600 pages there's references to alice in wonderland probably on 500 of them they start a book club where they are the mad hatters tea society oh wow Um, there's constant talk about falling into wonderland and down a rabbit hole and so many allusions to it and so is this why you loved it so much probably didn't hurt But it, it was like I, I just every time every every time there was a new reference to it, I wanted to take a picture and be like, I found another one, but yeah. and send it to you. But it didn't yeah. make sense because you weren't reading that book. But it was it was good. So was good. for for a little bit more preamble, we both um I, like we we don't have to talk about this at, at length or anything, but we both saw. Come on, Barbie, yes. let's go party! Ah 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That sounded terrible. I'm terrible. No, we're like, good. Yeah, whatever. We're good. Um, so we both saw that. I saw it last weekend with my daughter, and you just recently I saw just it. I just saw it on Sunday, yes. which was yesterday. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and we both loved it. Right? It was so amazing. And what's what's great about it is that we read it, in, or we saw it basically in conjunction with reading this book, which is... Our, which is great yes. like yes yeah so i it's just a, not really a connection obviously but just a feminist connection in itself very very strong woman themes yes for sure um i thought barbie was so much fun i i loved it i actually saw it so i don't know if you like you know follow movie stuff or whatever but you know there was this big this big hype around that weekend that Barbie came out because it also came out at the same time as a movie called Oppenheimer. So they called it Barbenheimer. (laughs) Um, And Oppenheimer is basically the father of the atom bomb. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like that movie basically just showing how that came about and the fallout from that and whatever. Fucking Um, males. Yeah, basically, you know, whatever. But actually Oppenheimer became a, a person who was very against like using the bombs because you start using it, then it creates a waterfall of everybody. Everybody, everybody getting that, and yes. then we're all just going to exactly. die. Exactly. Yes. Um. So it was actually a really good movie, and it was very much geared towards like more. It wasn't really about the bomb. It was more about like what happened afterwards, and you know that kind of stuff. So it was very interesting. But that being said, I enjoyed Barbie more because it was more fun and um, it was pretty. I loved it. It was very pretty, and it was very snarky and it was very comical in in certain aspects and um i had a woman at work today that came over to me and she was like you know i saw your picture and how was it and i was like it was really good and she's like i was gonna take my daughter but my husband didn't think it was gonna be appropriate and i'm like isn't she 13 and she goes yeah and i go I don't think that there's really anything in there that would be not a single thing. out of out of the norm for a thirteen nope. year old, and I think it actually is a really good story and a good moral at the end. I think it's um, a perfect because uh, I took my daughter who is eleven, 
And, you know, it was just a random Saturday. I think I got back from a run and I said, Sophie, do you want to go see Barbie at 1230? And she's like, yes, absolutely. She, I think she had been talking with her friends about it, whatever. So I was like, oh, great. So that's something that we're going to do. John and John and Aiden, I think we're golfing or whatever. And we went and um, (laughs) it was so funny because she's like, she's a very online person. And like, you know, so at the beginning when they, the Warner Brothers thing comes up and it's all pink, she tried to take a picture and her like <laughs> the the like the light came on and she's like oh my god oh my god I'm like Sophie put your fucking phone away <laughs> like, what the fuck is wrong with you? shut up Siri <laughs> anyway anyway Siri just tried to interrupt me anyway um no I I, I thought it was interesting because there were like six and seven year olds and yes. I think that for whatever criticism that the movie has gotten for the fact that it has a PG thirteen maybe I'm so desensitized to it but i don't really feel like there was anything that would drastically no. affect six and seven year old no. girls from seeing it Not at all. and if there was anything it would just gloss right over their head it would it would there were definitely there were all definitely... those nuances like yeah i'm gonna beat you off no you're gonna beat me yes, off no exactly. nobody's gonna beat nobody's anybody gonna off beach, yeah nobody's gonna beat anybody off um but there were those little like sexual undertones. I mean, there was the point where you know Ken tried to stay over and sh- Barbie. And, but Barbie's let like, him. but no. why? What yes. would we do? Yeah, what would we do? Exactly. <laughs> those little jokes. Night. And like, um, you know, there was there was certainly the part when they they come into the real world and you know everybody's looking at Barbie and and Ken Smacking her and ass. yes yes and and but Ken is very much that's like, the world that we live in exactly well, that I, shit happens and the crazy the funniest part was about that and again like a kid is not really going to understand this yet but you know there's a part where th- that part when they're doing that Ken is just like I don't feel I don't feel that they have any violence towards me at all and she's like very much like I feel a lot of I violence like, like I, I feel like it's, I a lot that. of it is coming towards me or whatever and she's not wrong I mean mm. that's it's exactly what we deal with on a daily basis just leaving the house you know there's gonna there might be somebody out there who says something to you that's gonna come off in a little in a way that, that sounds like was that or are you trying like that sounds a little yeah. icky to me and you know like i mean it's just what we deal with and i thought i thought the movie had a great message and you know there's of course there's men out there who are like this is just men bashing blah 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 and it has nothing to do with that no it's just something like barbie i'm sorry but barbie is about women and barbie is for women and mm-hmm. girls and it's and that's just like what it is about that's it yep you know, like it's not trying to take anything away from men. American, America, America for ours. Whole the whole character monologue that yeah. she did in the middle the was speech. just like, yeah, yeah. I sobbed. I saw. I think I sobbed through. I had. Just, I have kept getting fucking goosebumps yeah. and having tears and like. You know I cry easy, and especially movies and whatever yeah. I cry and yeah. I know I cry and I'm yeah. doing kind of like a little like a. Yeah. Wipe my eyes. We get to the end of the movie, and Jess goes, "Did we all think we were going to be crying at Barbie?" I go, "I'm not the only one." (laughs) I mean, my daughter didn't cry. I definitely, I definitely teared up a couple of times. And I mean, it's just like you know, the America Ferrera thing. There were those little notes of you know, you have to be strong, but not too strong because you can't threaten the guy, a guy, and like you know, those little things. And and it's it's like it just I felt every single being of it, and I wanted, I wanted my daughter to feel like. she understood it, but also that she hasn't experienced it. And I hope that she never has to experience it because I want our world to be growing in a sense where women her age don't have to be thinking and worrying about that situation. Mm -hmm. I mean, in, 
it's not going to happen. It's not going to go away completely. I do think we've gotten better and men have gotten better at not being that way. But there are certainly things that still exist that... In the South, perhaps. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And um, we might as well just get into our prologue yeah. now, you know? Yeah. The only other thing I want to say about Barbie is I came home and I hadn't eaten hardly any of my popcorn. Might have had something to do with the hangover I had. And I gave it to my kids. And Eric looks at me and goes, wait, you went to the movies? And I was like, <laughs> I did. He goes, what did you see? And I was like, the Barbie movies? Like, I wanted to go. Aww. And I was like, I didn't even think to ask you. But also, I went with women. And I go, it's just girls. He goes, there's boys. And I go, no, there definitely are boys. And there was, but I just didn't. Well, when it comes out, that's something you can do together. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We will definitely watch it. And I also feel like I should have thought about it, but also like I wanted to go out. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Not to mention the fact that it was me, Jess, and Pat who don't have daughters. Yeah. And Jess's mom, whose daughter is Jess. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, let's go to our prologue. The prologue. So, Katie, this time we read The Punishings by H.R. Bellicosa. I don't have any facts about this book. The only fact I have is that I believe it was published on November 21st, 2021, yep. something along those lines. She, um, she has notes in the back, and that was one of them. That's literally the only fact I have, because our hope is that we are going to have a conversation with uh, Miss Bellicosa about this book to put in this section of the podcast. In the author's note, while this novel was written and copyrighted in 2020, I got chills when a year later the state of Texas passed Senate Bill 8, which is not only a near-complete ban on abortion, but allows vigilantes to sue anyone who they say performs AIDS or abets an abortion. There we go. Of course. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, And we're going to talk about that at length. So... But it is... I don't know. Why don't you give us our reader rundown, Katie? Yes. Jane Dupree lives in the Southerly State, those that's capitalized, an area governed by oppressive rules since the separation of the former United States of America. At the beginning of the 22nd century, it is a place filled with staunch nationalism and fervent religion where the rights of the unborn are protected above all else. Jane works in an overcrowded, underfunded orphanage because they're so protected, but she also covertly assists women with unwanted pregnancies in her secluded home on the Louisiana Bayou. These women have no safe legal options, and many would harm themselves in desperation without Jane's intervention. When Jane's two different worlds collide, she finds herself faced with an incendiary decision. As the consequences of her actions spiral out of control, Jane realizes she may have put herself in more peril than those she is trying to save. This book is absolutely beautiful on the cover. Yes, it is. I absolutely... Yes. It's so... It's such a a good cover because um, you... you have no idea what is hit, going to hit you, yeah. yep. what it's going to hit you yep. when, when you read it. Um, so why don't we talk about our cocktail first? Real which... quick, we do have oh. another fact. The fact is that um, our good pal and listener, Tony, Tony, is a friend of the author. Family friend, of, yes, with the Did author. Did you already say that? He's, I think I said it at some point, but I don't know. Okay. Um, maybe I said it on the last episode. But um, either way, Tony is hopefully going to set up a, a chat for us mm-hmm. with um, with the author of this book so we can have a little bit of a um, a more preamble in this episode. We're going to snatch it in there. I hope local it happens. Local author, local publisher. Yes. It just yes. feels nice. Um, it's it's going to be great. So, um, uh, so to our cocktail. Yes. Uh, the main premise of the book is this woman is helping with abortions and she does so because there are no pharmacies available. Uh, the cover has all these flowers and uh, 
plants growing in bottles and she makes teas to assist in abortion. So we are drinking twisted tea. Yes, we are. Let's pop these And we are going simple because this is our second cocktail on a Monday. So cheers. Exactly. I've got the half and half. So I've got an Arnold Palmer, Andrew Palmer. I have a rocket pop, which is supposed to be like a bomb pop, a.k.a. very American. And this Mm. tastes like a fucking bomb pop. Let me taste yours. We're gonna we're gonna switch back and forth yep. here. I like them both. Yeah, I like them both. I like. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna lie to you. I like that. I don't really taste tea because I do not. You like don't tea. like tea. I but I, like you tea. don't normally drink tasted tea. No. Okay. Because I don't like tea. tasted tea. Tasted teas? No, I just. I'm not a tea person. It's got a strong flavor that I don't really care for. And both of our drinks today had tea involved in them. Yes. Because. Somehow this book and that book lined up in very weird ways. ways. Yes, yeah. And our drinks both are tea and yeah. Here we go. So let's go to the story, Katie. Yes, let's do it. The The story. story. Um. Okay. So, Sarah. Yes. Did you like this book? I loved this book. I did. I had no idea what to expect when I started reading this. I actually read this. Started reading this book. Um, on vacation. I believe I was on the plane on my way home when I began reading it. And I was just like, you know, it was one of those situations where I had already been reading a lot. I I finished literally three, like three books on this vacation. Um, and then starting this one, it was like, I've, I've read a lot of stuff. Um, my eyes are fucking tired, you know, but I had a four hour flight from one city to the next. And then a half, an hour and a half flight from another city to the next. So I had to, I had to, I read most of this book on, on a plane. Um, and I couldn't put it down. Like I didn't want to stop reading it. I started it on Saturday and I finished it this morning. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. So it starts with the first swish of the whip whistles through the silence. I'm not ready for it, even though I know it's coming. Neither is the girl. Her torso arcs as the switch slashes across her creamy back, tattooing her in an instant with a long jagged gash, the first of what will become a tangled latticework of scars. Her body, stunned for a moment, freezes. Then a rivulet of blood seeps from the wound and trickles down her skin, weeping. Wrapped in the all-consuming agony of that one blow, she forgets to brace for the next one, and when it comes, crisscrossing a second leaking wound over the first, her toes, suspended an inch off the ground, flex and twitch. There will be 28 more, I know, subconsciously counting the snapping lashes. Will there be enough flesh left? Her back is so small. I I knew the concept. Obviously, I'd read the book. Not the book. I'd read the back. Yeah. I knew it was going to be hard. I was not prepared for that opening paragraph to literally punch me in the face. And, like, put you, like, literally put you in the middle of something so horrifying and that you could almost easily see happening. Yes. You know what I mean? And then as it progresses, it seems more and more likely. I think think this is the worst thing about this book, which I which I think is really important and needed, and I really enjoyed reading this book. I think the worst thing about this book is that a long time ago, it would have felt like something um, not, not possible. possible. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, since we, since she has even put this book out, we now have a near a ban, a, a near a near ban on abortion mm-hmm. across the country. I mean, certainly not in every state. You know, they they constantly talk about states' rights and whatever. But the goal for Republicans and conservatives is to have a ban across the country. And if they get somebody in in office, they will put a ban on abortion completely across the country. It's going to happen. Um, That's 
it, it was hard to read this book in that light because we know that that could possibly be coming. The fact that I I checked multiple times. I'm like, wait, when did she write this? Yeah. When did this happen? When? No. The, the Supreme Court overruled Roe v. Wade after this fucking book was written. Yes. Yeah. A, almost a year ago now. Like, <sighs> um, it happened in, in June of 2022, right? Um, or July of 2022. I can't remember exactly when, but, um, about a year ago now. So she wrote this, um, before that. Before that. A whole, basically, it was, it was put out almost like more than a year before that. So it's really scary how. I don't want her to write another book. <laughs> no, seriously, seriously, it's like, oh my god, is she a seer? Yeah, yes. Um. Yeah. It, it's very. It's very. Um. I don't love it. I don't love it. But that's takes takes nothing away from the book and how amazing it is and how important it is because I do feel like a book like this is important for people to read because it it is it is a a, a harbinger of things to come. Mm-hmm. You know, and if we allow these things to happen, this is where we could be in the not-so-distant future. Yep. Which is horrifying. Yes. You know? Um, So, uh, the main character's name is not really Jane. Um, We never find out through the whole book what her name actually is, but Jane is a euphemism for a woman who will help you have an abortion um, outside of the legal means that are available, because there are no legal means available. Um, Which is also, uh, that's based on, that's based on fact. Like, they did. Like, that's from history. Yes, that's from history. Yes. I I didn't flag that section in the book, but I appreciated it. Um, I I do love the fact. So the first thing I have flagged is uh, page 17, where she's describing the the southerly state, which is where she lives. A hundred years ago, people would have found the dated and antiquated pages nothing more than an interesting curiosity. Anyone who came across them back then would have shaken their head and marveled at how much society advanced. This is she's talking about um, the so she's got all these books about herbs. But that was back when the United States was a huge country with one central government. That was before the peaceable separation, which left the southerly state with jagged borders stretching from the narrow sunken strip of land that used to be Florida Mm -hmm. up north to the territory of Virginia and westward encompassing the wide open Great Plains to the Rocky Mountain border. The misogynistic and authoritarian laws and decrees that have since come out of the southerly state's capital in Atlanta have made these old tomes modern once again and even more secretive than when they were first printed. I remember my grandmother telling me how in the 1960s women's rights activists studied and practiced and developed their own skills to safely rid women of unwanted pregnancies at a time when they could not legally do so. This was done to prevent bloody and ill-fated backstreet abortions or self-induced ones. It was all very covert, of course, and rather than come out and actually ask where where they might find a floating abortion clinic, a woman would call a protected phone number and ask for instructions on how to find Jane. Mm-hmm. So the the... The actual geographical picture of that and the yeah. fact that the last book, we were just talking about The Subtle Knife, um, had foreshadowed mo- as much climate change is happening. Yes. This one, it's just keeps yes. going yes. right for it because yes. we all know Florida's going fucking down, yes. both fi- fi- figuratively and literally. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and there's actually a, I, um, I don't have a, a page. Uh, unfortunately, I read this on my Kindle. Um, I bought it on the Kindle and, um... Instead of, you know, ha- being able to hold down Flip, pages yeah. or whatever, I I highlighted things and made a note on them. Um, so this is not the first note that I made, but there is a point in the book. It's about 19 to 20 percent in. Um, they're talking about 
because you get a sense you're just like, okay, how long has this been going on? When are we in, you know, the in the time in the twenty second century? And there is a point when she says, um, back in 1989, almost ninety years ago. So we're talking about you know the year twenty seventy nine or twenty twenty seventy something. You know, um, so it's kind of crazy to think that is only from right now about fifty years. You know what I mean? Yeah, scary. We, yeah. we could still be living, you know, we would still be living. Yeah. Our children would be living. And um, I don't know. It's very, it's very terrifying to think. There's a lot of discussion about uh, the fact that people are stuck there. And that that is always, I think, this misconception that people have. Like, if these abortion laws removing abortion go into effect, people are going to, well, if they don't like the laws there, they can just move. Well, you can't always just yes. fucking move. You don't yeah. have the means necessary. And... And that's she, always been the point, too. Yeah. 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 It Not everybody has the means and, and availability to just go to another state. and relocate to, and yeah. run away and yeah. leave all of your family and everything you've ever known just mm-hmm. because you want to have autonomy over your body. Right. Exactly. Which Mind is your own should, uterus. Yes. The I, shirt am you're wearing, wearing. I am wearing my shirt today that says that I purchased um, Mind Your Own Uterus. Um, I actually wore this to Kay's Pizza about a week ago. We took my parents. And, you know, whenever I wear this shirt, I walk around pretty proudly with it. I, I love this shirt. Um, and I want to see people's reaction to it when they see it. And we sat down and there was an old couple kind of sitting on the on the deck area. And they took one look at my shirt and looked at each other and they had a quiet conversation about it. And I was I know that they're talking about it. And in my opinion, I'm glad they were mm-hmm. because that's the point of the shirt. Mm-hmm. It, it, the point of the shirt and the point of pointing this out is to make people feel uncomfortable because it's pretty fucking uncomfortable that we don't have rights over our own bodies and Correct. and and can't do what we want to do to ourselves, you know? Um, so keep talking about it, in my opinion. Yeah. And I'm just going to keep wearing it. Yeah. So. <laughs> and if you want, I'll even show you it. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Here we go. No. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so kind of going back to, to what you're talking about with the southerly state, um, we don't hear a lot about the the northern part of the country. Nope. Um, she said peaceably. Peaceable separation peaceable is separation. how it's described, but then wasn't at, quite peaceable. at one point it was it was deemed it, it was more explained. Uh, there was a bombing of St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York City. Yeah. And it was automatically spun that it was these Muslim terrorists and it was religious and it's because of them and we need to separate away and when in reality it was very likely a false flag I'm sure it was insurgents doing whatever they felt they needed to do a January 6th on a more a more even more violent January 6th type thing so they could create this catalyst for what they wanted yeah um so I have a part of the book um it comes about eight percent into the book I'm sorry that's how I'm just gonna say it because of the kindle um she looks up at the two jagged black slashes laid across the center of the flag like lightning bolts two S's for Southerly State. They are nearly identical to the gashes that appeared on the Nazi SS flag. But I'm sure that's entirely coincidental, my grandmother used to remark. She remembered things from her history books that were not covered in the books of my generation. The background of the Southerly State flag looks like the old Confederate flag flag still revered around the state with its red and blue colors and its smattering of stars. And like, that's something you could easily, easily picture right now. Mm -hmm. You could easily picture this. I mean, you still see fucking bros with their Confederate flag because they refuse to give it up. Even here in the north, 
it's about history and my blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I, fucking flags. Like, I don't understand the obsession with fucking flags. I don't get it either. <laughs> like, I, just, I don't get it either. I, I really don't. And it, I, even now I see I see somebody flying a, a, even an American flag and I just, I roll my eyes a little bit. And I'm just like, really? Like, yeah. you live here. We know how you, like, I just, I don't, I don't get the obsession with it. I don't get why people think that, like. It, it's Let not me show you my flag. Yes. The flag is the flag is was always meant to just be a symbol of this united the United States. United, this united is a key word that yes. is no longer applicable. Right, right, and it's just it's very it's very people take it to mean something more than it is. When in reality, you know, they're not as worried about the people that things affect. They're worried about how how their perception of their actions reflect on the flag which who gives a fuck yeah does anybody really give a fuck really i, I just don't understand i mean people do clearly it's fucking ridiculous anyway this is gonna be one of those ones where yeah. it's gonna, gonna no. go off a little bit so um i i think that the character jane was developed beautifully the fact that you got to see the split persona not not persona but the split worlds that she lived in where she's in this orphanage that's overrun they have like a baby drop door and the state forces them that they have to officials of the state you cannot not have the baby door even if you don't have a spot for the babies yeah and how much she adores all of the girls all of the girls who are totally separated there's a she works on a girl orphanage not a boy orphanage yes not a co-ed orphanage because heaven forbid literally uh <laughs> so the 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 seeing her caring for all these girls who were essentially forced to be born yep because their mothers didn't want to go through the process of removing them yeah from their bodies finding someone to help them when they were unborn when the Probably the vast majority of the situations were not comfortable situations. It wasn't we're a man and a woman and we're married and we're going to have a baby. Yes. Oh, no, wait. Yeah. I don't want this baby. I'm not ready for a baby. Yet. Yeah. Let's get rid of it. No, you can't do that. Yeah. You can't... It's very infrequent that a person drops a baby off at an orphanage when it come, in a, coming out in of a, a loving marriage. In a happy or, yes. relationship. Yeah. It is somebody raped me. Somebody took advantage of me. Something happened where I felt like I needed to have sex in order to get out of this situation. Yeah. And flipping on that, her home life, where she has these women just show up at her door. Sometimes she knows about them. Sometimes she doesn't. And she takes them into her home. And she learned from her grandma how to use all these herbs and the books that she has secretly hidden behind her dust jackets. And I fucking yeah. love the visual of that. I know, yeah. That was... Yeah. It made, gave me so much anxiety when the pastor would come in and, like, <sighs> if he just looked at one of those books. But I do want to point out really quickly, before we jump in, like, you know, you just said, you just said something that I think is really important about, you know, how most of these situations, how they occur and where they occur. And I just want to point out very quickly, and I know you, I'm sure you have this exact same thought and belief, and I just want to point it out really quickly. Um... It doesn't matter what situation, if a person wants an abortion, they should be able to have an abortion. It doesn't, absolutely. It absolutely doesn't matter whether or not she's sick, the baby is sick, or if she just decides, I do not want to have this baby. She should be able to she do that. She should be able to do that. It doesn't have to be 
out of a bad situation. And let's let's be clear, that's fine. But again, that's not the typical person who needs or seeks out an abortion. Mm-hmm. Um, you're hurting when you when you when you get rid of these laws, the abortion laws. When you ban abortion, you're hurting people um, that uh, that are. You know, you're you're mostly hurting poor people, um, people who don't have anybody to take care of them. That kind of that kind of person, mm-hmm. um, and typically minorities. That's and that's just another racist law, basically, because these are all. It's very much. It's very much a part of trying to keep our country a certain color. That's my opinion on the matter. Yeah. They maybe that's extreme, but that that is how that's how I feel. It's, just, it's, it's exactly <laughs> it's how a, it plays out. Yes, though. yes, exactly. Undereducated, under or impoverished that can't afford to do yes. the birth control and mm-hmm. do the preventative things, or don't even know about them, yes, and just exactly have exactly. seen what's come down the system. And oh yeah, my mom had ten kids, so I need to have ten kids because right. that's where I can get the welfare from, or where I can get support from or where I can get food stamps. Like this exactly. is what I need to do in order to be able to survive. So I'm just, it's just perpetuating the yes, entire thing. Correct. Um, it's built into the racist underbearings of our entire country. On the previous episode, we definitely talked about um, X that was formerly known as Twitter. And I'm never going to call it Twitter. <laughs> uh, probably like within the last four or five months, I read an entire thread that a woman had posted or tweeted or X'd or whatever the fuck you want to say about how every unwanted pregnancy came out the came at the joy of a man. Mm-hmm. Like there is no unwanted pregnancy that a man didn't enjoy making. Sure. So it and it just it was amazing. I read that yeah, and I yeah. just And like that kind of that kind of brings me a little bit into my into one of my notes. Like again, I I don't have a lot of context for these notes only because I, I can't you're in a just percentage. open the book. <laughs> yes. I can't open the book and see them, but um so there's one line in the book um again comes about 12% into the book, the story. It says history changes based on who's telling it. And the only thing I could I could think of when I saw when I saw that quote is um how in one of my classes, I can't remember where it was or when it was, um, the word history is his story. story. And it, it's very much, uh, it's very jarring when you hear that and see that and you're like, wow, that's got to be that's where really, that came from. That yeah, is very, absolutely. that is very clear as to what they were trying to perpetuate there when they made that word. Like it was mostly men who were able to continue on these stories and mm-hmm. it, it didn't matter what the women said. So um I say we change it to her story. <laughs> anyway. So I have approximately I'm gonna say thirteen percent of the book in, also known as page thirty nine. <laughs> I'm at about thirteen my my next note is thirteen percent in so I'm I'm curious to hear hear what you have to say. <laughs> So uh, it makes me sick every time I think about what happened. How did I get trapped here on this side of everything in this strange place where people who once rose up a great battle cry of freedom now swear that they got exactly what they wanted? The same people who pumped their fists in the air and vowed to defend freedom for all don't even hold elections anymore. Now they have a marshal who dictates laws and officers of the state who enforce them. They screamed cries of liberty, but bent toward authoritarianism Mm -hmm. when it suited their needs. It Mm -hmm. turns out, Ophelia said, they didn't want freedom for all. They just wanted to get their way. And sadly, they have. 
this is like reading that you're so you're so drawn into like the political spectrum right now like whereas people are so ready to put donald trump back in office i don't fucking understand how some of these people are in charge of things i know i just i know and that i think like how do you have a woman who's in, I don't even fucking know if she's a House representative or Senate because I don't know fucking shit like that because I try to avoid all politics at all causes. How do you have a woman who goes into a political session and holds up fucking porn pictures of the president's son and that's, isn't just like, oh yeah, I really support her? Like, that's Marjorie I, Taylor Greene and people love her. I don't get it. I don't. She is. What is she? House, she's House she, of Representatives. She she is from Florida. Um, she's a Georgia. Fucking, I'm sorry, Georgia. She's like a fucking reality show comic star. Yeah, she. But is, she's real. She is one of the most disgusting human beings that live on this planet. Um, and I, there is somebody running against her, and I hope. I think it's a he. I hope he wins. I have I have donated money to his his campaign. I, I will donate money. There are certain people that I will donate money to. Like even though they don't I don't live in their state, yeah. whatever, I will donate because I want to see them kick this person out. Um and she is one of those people. She's disgusting. But along those lines of what you just wrote read too about the same about the same way in um Ophelia always spoke about the violence that had been building throughout the nation in the years leading up to the massacre in the church. Assaults on facts happened with increasing frequency. Patriotic hymns became a mandatory part of all gatherings at churches and rallies. She said you could feel the shift in the air, the intolerance, the hard bend to the conservative right, the methodical chipping away of the rights of others. Something was coming, Ophelia said. Everyone knew it. And it's, this is, again, it's very scary to read this because it feels, it feels like what's happening. Mm-hmm. It feels very much what's like what's happening. And like when you said, um, you know, pa- patriotic hymns become a mandatory part of all gatherings at churches and rallies. The fact that the um, uh, like the singing the Star Spangled Banner at like you know at um at sports things, I that wasn't always a thing. And it became a thing because it made people, it made people more money, honestly, mm-hmm. you know, and like, you know, saluting the military and all that stuff. And and that's great. Like, you know, I get it. I understand. But like, it starts to feel, especially when you're saying that a person can't protest against it, it starts to feel mandatory and it starts to feel like you're going to be persecuted against if you are not following these things that people are expecting you to do and you're expected if you live in this country you are expected to say the say the pledge of allegiance every morning you know at school which i think is kind of ridiculous as well like why i'm sorry i'm an atheist my children don't believe in god like that's and and they have to sit there and say every morning that is under god you know like most i can't think of the word i want (laughs) like Ah, contradictory thing. We have separation of church and state, but our fucking Pledge of Allegiance says one nation under God. Like, the fact that we do that is just ridiculous. There has been a strong, in in the, the most recent years... Thinking about the Pledge of Allegiance, I mean, I grew up obviously doing the Pledge of Allegiance. You did as well. It, it was an expected thing in school. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if you didn't stand up and say it, you would have gotten reprimanded, maybe sent to the principal's office. And there is part of me that wants to tell my children, don't do it. 
don't stand up. I want to see what happens. Like, I want to see if somebody is going to come and tell me. Yeah, but then you know you're I mean? using your children as a pawn no, for I know. your own political and I don't agenda. Do that. And then that's like, I don't want to do that, but I also want to make... But also, I also don't want my kids to just follow things blindly. But if this is, like, if this is what we're taught in school, you would almost expect that every workday we should start with the Pledge of Allegiance. Right. Like, right. why don't we? Where does it stop? Why did it stop? Yes. You get to college and all of a sudden now you're allowed to think outside of the box and you can... Right. You don't have to do that yes. anymore. Yeah. Well... I mean, a lot of that probably has to do with the fact that, you know, um, especially in public schools, they're government funded. So it's very much like you're not getting money if you're not saying the Pledge of Allegiance, if you're not singing the Star Spangled Banner every time before a a sporting event. You know what I mean? Like, you're not going to get that money that you want. Sorry. So they play the game because they have to. (laughs) So, yeah, it's it's gross. It's gross. Um, right. so I don't have anything to tell you. I know, I know, I know. It, it, but that's the thing. It's so thought-provoking and makes you think of certain things. Um, on page 60, mm-hmm. my note says, Rachel's going to turn out good. And I got to the end of the book and I went, yes, I was fucking right. That's funny. <laughs> that's funny. So, I honestly wasn't expecting that. No, I... I did know Emily was going to turn on her at some... Emma, I Emily, fully, yes, I was Emily, very... I knew she was going to... Just because she was just like... So she was, I I really think it boils down to the fact that she sat so far front in church. Like that was like my indicator that she's not gonna, she's actually pretty devout. And like, you know, she was having like, I don't know whether it was like halfway through the book or whatever she was having. She was having these doubts about the, the abortion that her, that Jane had helped her have. And um, it was very disconcerting. So this is the, so the morning, the page 60 is right when, um, the new baby comes in. Um, and I don't know what it was that just made me. Oh, but I did write this down. So, okay. So the girls that come to this orphanage, um, are given nicknames of actual names. Yeah. But to the officials of the state, they're they letters known and numbers. as SC and then their birthday. So state charge and then their birthday. And this page was SC. The new baby is Demarius and it's SC0411, which is Adam's birthday. <laughs> which I was like, that's funny, yeah. <laughs> um, but somewhere in there, there must have been something... Oh, that's what it is. Rachel enters this crowded gathering space holding a baby wrapped in a thin blanket. She is unsmiling. This unexpected arrival is a strain on her, and I know she must have started running the numbers in her head the moment she discovered the infant in the foundling box. That's the drawer. Mm -hmm. I have always thought it should be called the foundling drawer as it's built into the side of the building and slides open with a tug on the handle from the outside. Rachel checks the foundling box each morning as soon as she wakes, looking for babies anonymously left there in the night, but I imagine she does not expect to actually find a baby in it these days. Xavier recently hit full capacity. However, many other orphanages have as well. And though it has been well announced in the parish that we're full, we are forbidden by the state from sealing the box. Somewhere in this page is made me go, Rachel's going to fucking be good. Yeah. She's going to be good. Yeah. Because she is so strained at the orphanage. And I think that I just was like, she knows that this is not the way to go. Yeah. Like, you these orphanages are just bursting at the seams and it's it's not sustainable right and 
they're underfunded because they have they're talking about watering down the formula that they give to all the babies and it's like well and that just goes back to we've had i know we've had this discussion before and this is the perfect time to bring it up it goes back to and you said it before like this there is a certain point they only care about having birth the unborn and the controlling of somebody else once somebody has given that birth the birth of the child doesn't matter what what happens to them. Now that you have a child, you need to be able to support it on your own. And we're not yeah. going to give you any support yes. financially because... Yes. And if you can't, then you're going to give it to the orphanage and we're not going to help them at all. Yeah. Because why? That's not our yep. responsibility. That's not our responsibility. Like, it's it's disgusting. It is absolutely disgusting. And it's, again, something you could easily see happening because it does happen. The, exactly. The migrants that are trying to come over the border... Immigrants, migrants, whatever you want to call them, that are trying to come into this country, that are being turned away. Seeking asylum here. And being, like, harassed, hurt, and injured. And it's like, you can't say that these unborn children are more important than these ones. Yes, yes. You're talking about... You are a hypocrite in the literal sense of the word. Exactly. You're talking about a fetus that cannot live outside of my body on its own. But you literally, there there were stories where people were just, like, told to push the kids back in the water. Mm-hmm. If they're crossing the Rio Grande, push them back in. They're not people, apparently. Mm-hmm. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. That's the kind of thing that gets people killed all the time. All the time. We don't care. We don't care about the babies once they come out. Once they're born. That's your problem. Not yeah. ours. You just can't kill it once it, if it's in your body. You can't kill it before you can't it's kill alive. a fetus in your body. Yeah. Yes, it's it's disgusting, truly, truly disgusting. Oh man, I'm getting heated. I'm getting heated. <laughs> <laughs> so just along the same note that Adam's birthday was, uh, the the new babies, Cayman's. I, I called her Cayman. I don't know how you read it. Yeah, but, I think so. Or okay. I think I might have said come on or come on. Okay. Well, I read it as Cayman. But her number, and I'm going to see if I can try to find it, because I didn't go back and look for it, even though I really wanted to. Um, Of course, we can't go around calling girls things like SC0708 all day. So her birthday is only three days away from Eric's. And I was like, oh, that's so funny. Both of your kids. Both of your kids. That's so funny. I don't have another note until almost like three quarters of the way into the book. So if you like, you keep going just like I did for the other one. So the next one I got is page 167, which is probably... It's like two thirds. Okay. Um. So this is so they have a hurricane coming, and going back to like the climate change and and how it's going to continuously get more and more drastic. Uh, this hurricane is coming, and I want to. So she is talking. So so the. the <sighs> the creepy fucking preacher. Yeah. So in the initial part of the book. In my mind, he was like seventy, with like I know, paper thin agreed, skin agreed. and like creepy. I still can't old... picture what he looks like in my head. So that would be my like only complaint about it is that I had him so much older. Yeah. That when he is attracted to Jane and he wants to 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 take he wants her to court out. her and be with her. Yeah. 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 Um, in the fact that she flipped to try to use him for that. I had a really hard time visualizing it because I had him so yeah. creepy old man-ish. Yes. And I had a tough time with that situation, too, because I was just curious whether or not... It's tough because, like, I was curious whether or not... She clearly felt that she couldn't say no to him. She At like, any point. No, it so clearly... So how did he not have a whole fucking harem? Well, that's what I mean. Like, it's it's very much like, what is what is the situation 
in the southerly states like are are women just do women just have no say whatsoever in their lives like they can't like it seem it seems to me that a man chooses a woman and she must go with him because that's how that's Otherwise, his prerogative it's the, and it's also the woman's fault anyways because she right. must have been flirting and giving yes. him the eyes yes so exactly you're kind of fucking screwed either right, way so right. the fact that she was still alone i'm actually i at one point in time i thought that it was going to go the vein where she was going to get her name thrown in as an accused homosexual because she was unmarried uh, and okay. she was still living by herself and yes. she was such good friends with Emily. I right. thought I really thought that that was going to be the threat it was going to go to. Hmm. Um, but anyways, back to this. Talking about uh, oh god, where do I really want to read this? <laughs> um. So Pote sees me, but he's talking with parishioners. They sidle up to him. So she, she had already seen him and he had come to her house. He dropped a snake in her house, which was fucking creepy as all get out. And he wanted to make it seem like he was needed. Yeah. 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 He's not. Mm Mm-mm. Papery skin. (laughs) Fucking eyes and scratchy beard. That's all just like. I just like yeah. <laughs> talk about cringeworthy. Yeah. <laughs> He's the Elon Musk of Southern the yeah. Southern States. So yeah. she she gets to the point in time where she wants to use him mm-hmm. and she decides that she's gonna hang out after church and then blah 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 Um this like this whole I could read this whole fucking thing. I don't need to. Instead of deigning to acknowledge what I've said, he points to the clouds hanging over us. Were you listening in there? He leans close to me. I see the individual blonde hairs that make up the stubble on his face. We are all being punished. The storms and the floods get worse every single year. It's God's wrath upon us. God is so angry. We are all being punished for the sins of the few. And then this is where my mind went. And so when I flipped the page and she went right there, I was so like, yes. Again, I'm struck with the thought that he truly believes this. For him, it's the only explanation for an earth that has been in crisis for so long, which New Orleans is underwater. Mm -hmm. I wonder what reason he'd have for the storms if all sins really were eradicated from the world, but that's unlikely to happen, and the religious leaders might just conjure up new transgressions if that were the case. There will always be something to hate, something to rail against. I have the sudden thought that perhaps Pope's God really is angry. But what if he is angry with how the southerly state treats people? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be ironic if the storms were indeed a manifestation of God's wrath? Wrath at the maltreatment of women and people of color and homosexuals and anyone who does not look like a tall, strong, white male. Strong, tall, white male. I very nearly <laughs> say this out loud, but Pote's anger would likely conjure up a whole other kind of storm. And I decide it's best to deal with one force of nature at a time. And I literally, I was like, this is where she's going. And then she yes. went there and I was yes. like, yes! yes, I love that. I love that too. And uh, honestly, the, the, I don't, I don't think it's very si- in the same place, but this actually has a lot to do with that. One of my quotes that I, I pulled out, um, she's in the church says here in this hollow soulless space, all I can do is stand stock still and listen to the nothingness. This church was not built as a glorious link between heaven and earth. If there is a God, he is not inside here and he never has been. The devil, though, he may have passed through. Yeah, he works there. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Seriously. Seriously. And it's, but that's so, I love that because that's the thing about, 
evangelicals and their 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 ridiculous extremism. It's very much like um, it's a lot like that guy. I can't even remember what his name is, and thank God I don't remember it because I don't care. Um, but the one there was one who literally said, you know, like COVID, COVID is here to to kill the homosexuals and all the and and all the people who. And then he fucking died. Yes, yeah, good. Thank fucking God. Like we don't need people like that. I'm sorry. Like that's 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 what I. I it it's so striking. Although to maybe me. it was a self fulfilling prophecy. Exactly. There you go. There you go. <laughs> but it's so striking to me, like the absolute abject hypocrisy of that kind of thing. Like you can't for one second put your just put your beliefs aside and maybe see this other open your mind. Yes, open just your mind just quick. a little bit. It's it's a they refuse to do it. Right there, just real it's, quick. It's not like it's it's almost like you're close to understanding the point, but then you get you don't get it. You don't yeah. get it. So it's it's tough. And and yeah, I um you're right. I I, I love that she went there in that mm-hmm. section because it's so it's so true. It's something that you want to say constantly to people who say, Well, that's because blah 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 blah. I'm like, what what if it's because of the opposite? What if, what if it's what because, it's because of, of the you're an idiot? Are you legitimately talking to God? You know, in quotes, because, you know, like, it's just, how, how does anybody know? How does anybody fucking know? You don't. Nobody does. Nobody does. So, whatever. All right. So, I do want to touch on the fact that Cayman is kind of like her... Surrogate daughter, basically. Yes. Um, I, at one point I was like, ooh, maybe that is her daughter. Like... Mm. She had her out of wedlock. And that didn't go. Like, yeah, I didn't get that. I, I didn't get that. At one point, like very near the end, I was like, mm, "Yeah, it could be. That might be why she's so attached, attached to, to her. her." Yeah. Um. So she's thirteen, and she's living in this orphanage, and um, the janitor is a fucking creepy fuck, and is raping her. I don't know how quickly you got. You understood. Like I, I could tell pretty quickly that something. As was soon happening as she said, her. "Are you going to stay over the night?" Yeah, it was very night. much like she was pulling away and not being the I same. Thought, I honestly thought that the night nurse was going to have something to do with it and that mm. the night nurse was doing something stupid and fucking asinine. But okay. I'm glad it wasn't. Yeah. I did like Belinda. I liked her character. And I did really enjoy the fact that once it came to light that Cayman had been raped by this janitor, all five of the main women in the orphanage banded together. We're yes. like, we have to get this guy the fuck out of yes. here. We have to do it in the way yeah. that will make sure that he actually gets out. Um, she ends up pregnant, which of course she ended up pregnant. Yeah. And- I mean, that was just the, where this was going. Yeah. At some point she had to had end up to, pregnant. Yes. Yeah. Um, my question for you, mm-hmm. Jane makes her own decision and gives came in the tea. That is twisted and has the poison and unbeknownst to Cayman, who at 13 doesn't even realize she's pregnant. So she takes that whole decision away from her. Yes. Do you think that was the right decision? So I'm actually going to read something that I I flagged and then I will get to... um, So uh, this is towards the end of the book. It's 83% in... um, the thoughts that course through me and rack my body are muddled and set and so confusion. I can promise myself that Miles is okay, but I don't know that for certain. I don't know anything for certain. There are no longer any absolutes except for one. 
There is one that thought that cuts through everything else. The realization of it has landed me in the darkest of places, making me vacillate between regret, regret and guilt. Not about everything I've, I've done, but about the one thing, the worst thing. I know it with painful clarity now. I didn't allow Camon, Camon, whatever, to make her own decisions. Everything I did was without her knowledge or consent. I am no better than Benjamin Pierre. No better than the southerly state. I am one more entity who took away Camon's rights over her own body. And I am the one she trusted above all others. Um, so, like, I, reading this... Reading that part of it, I clearly understood why she would want to do what she did. Um, she didn't want to, I mean, we can, we can literally go back to like, you know, the, the conversation we just had about Lyra and Will. She didn't want to take away her innocence and, and allow her to know what was going on in her body. I can understand where she was coming from, but in my opinion, the fact that this young girl had already had her period, had been violated in this way, she deserved to know. So that was that was my thought on it. Um, if your body gets to the point in time where it can produce a child, your body is yours to own and you should know yes. and have the ability to control yes. it. Um, if she was 10 and hadn't had a period... And ended up pregnant because it was the just maybe matter she was of just coincidence like, yes, of timing. Yes. Maybe she was just starting to ovulate and whatever. And it just so happened. I almost could understand it more than not. But at the same time, like this is such a this is so hard because this is one of those hard one of like, really really a difficult thing. Clearly, I am without question on the side of a woman, a, a person can choose for themselves. Um, I have an 11-year-old daughter. I have an 11-year-old daughter. She has not, you know, this is getting too, yep. too much, but, you know, she's not a woman yet, um, if you want to be, like, you know, technical about it. Um, but, like, I don't know... I wouldn't, I don't think that I would hide the fact from her. If something, if something happened to her, I'll kill somebody. I will, I will physically commit murder mm -hmm. if John doesn't get there first. I'm here for you too. Um, yeah. I, like I will physically kill somebody. Mm -hmm. I will end up in prison. I, like that's not, the, that's not what I want to do, but it will happen. Um, don't oh, test me. Yeah. <laughs> I listen to a lot of true crime. Same. I know how Same. to do it. We know what to do. <laughs> yeah. We know what to do. So me coming for our kids. Okay. Um, so it's it's one of those things like I thought very much about like what I would do in this situation and it's it's I I know personally that I would have a conversation with my daughter. I know that I would have a conversation with my daughter and I've had conversations already with him her about her body and who's allowed to who 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 she should give or shouldn't give, you know, allowance to her body. And um so she she already knows these things. And I want to believe that I would have the conversation with her. And also, Camon is two years older than yeah. my daughter. And she already, you know, she's a pretty well-read kid already. She mm -hmm. knows these things exist. She knows what happened to her. So it's, I, I do think it was wrong of Jane. I think it was very wrong of Jane not to have this conversation with her and let her make that decision. Did you 
at any point in time think that she had not poisoned the tea? So there was <laughs> no, no. As soon as there was like three pages, I was like, good. She didn't do it. Yeah. She didn't do it. She didn't do it. And then as soon as she was yeah. in the bathroom, I'm like, she fucking did it. As soon as, as soon as I Maybe saw. Maybe it was weird timing. Nope. The, my problem is this, the second she said, um, let me make you some tea. I knew. I knew. And I was like, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Like, she made the decision. And, like, you know, Emily, who was, in my opinion, you know, she had her own demons to fight. Like, she made the decision for herself, but she got to make that decision. Mm -hmm. And she also... She also grew to regret that decision. And we're allowed to do that. People are allowed to change their minds. But I, I didn't like the way Emily constantly tried to put on her that, you know, she shouldn't be doing these things anymore. They're going to come for you. They're going to come, come for, you. for you. Somebody has to do it. Mm-hmm. Somebody has to do it. If nobody does it, then what are what's going to happen? Like, the whole fucking southerly state is just going to be overrun. You know what I mean? Or all the women are going to kill themselves. Yes. By trying to self-abort. Exactly. Exactly. So like somebody Renee. has to, This is the point. Somebody, it needs to be done in a way where people aren't doing it themselves because people are going to do it themselves. Mm-hmm. If people don't want a baby, they're going to find a way. They're going to find a way to do that. So it did, it, it frustrated me a lot that she didn't let Kamon know and, and let her make her own decision because that's the whole point. That's the whole point mm-hmm. is we should at have a certain point or not even at a certain point, we should have agency over our own bodies. Yep. And... um. It wasn't fair that she didn't let her do that. She just made that decision without even a conversation. So I was frustrated with her, even though she is the heroine of this novel. She is also a flawed person, which makes her more relatable. More human. You know, more human. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. What are you, What about you? I mean, I assume you have thought the same. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I just, I like I said, I once your body can make a child... That's biolo- bi- biology. <laughs> biology. <laughs> That's biology <laughs> saying that you should have the ability to make the decisions for your body. Unfortunately, the first decision for her body wasn't yeah. given to her at all. And then Jane took her second decision yeah. for her own body. So. And, and sadly, a lot of a, a lot of a lot of people have to make this decision at a very young age. Uh, an age that should be impossible to make this decision um but it's a fact it happens you know we see it all the time you know a 10 year old was was barred from having an abortion now she's got to force it like what is the more cruel thing yeah what is the more cruel thing here when did that unborn become more important than the 10 year old yes exactly exactly who could die because she is too little Mm -hmm. to be giving birth to a baby Mm -hmm. it's disgusting anyway so the only other thing that I have um, was pretty much like the same part you were just reading, mm-hmm. uh, talking about Miles, because I found it... Miles the dog. Through all of this, all the solitary hours and the fear and the trepidation about what's coming, only one thing has made me cry. It's not Cayman. I will mourn her until the day I die and I will ache for her constantly, but I ran myself dry crying for her already. I haven't cried for Ophelia. For the first time, I'm relieved that she's dead, because seeing me dragged to prison would have killed her, especially since I know that she would blame herself. I haven't cried for the girls at Xavier either. They're all right. I know this for a fact. They are well cared for. Rachel will make sure of that. They miss me certainly, but there is no tragedy there. 
but I cry endlessly for miles. I don't know where he is. I think of how I left him at home. He might still be there, starving and literally dying of thirst, slumped at the door of my bedroom, waiting for me. He thinks I abandoned him. What if one of the officers went back for him? They might have shot him for fun. I taste bile in the back of my throat every time I think of it. I was I was so fucking devastated for the dog when I they know. came and took her. And I, I almost wrote down, they better not kill the fucking dog. Or she better well, not kill the fucking dog. What I love is that Rachel comes in and, and says, listen, I know. I like, got you. As soon as you I didn't show you. up, I knew where you were. And I went and got yeah. and went and got Miles. And that's where we find out that Rachel is also a Jane. You're also a Jane. And yes. also the one who dropped off this woman at her doorstep. Yes. Which... That whole relationship between her and Rachel, you're led to believe at the beginning that Rachel is essentially just like she's a very devout Nazi type woman. Yes. Of, nope, this is how we have to do yeah. it. You have to do it like this. You have to do it like this. You have to do it. You cannot say what the southerly state says. Yes. yes. Yeah. So learning that she is not as regimented as you're come you're come to believe was great. Yes. Yeah. And, and even, even just finding out, even finding out that she was another Jane was a shock. Like you, you might have had a feeling that she wasn't what she seemed to be, but I didn't think that she was a Jane. Like there was no part of me that I, I, as soon as the car pulled away, really, you thought it was Rachel? I thought it was Rachel. Seriously. I, well, I knew that That Rachel, I knew that Rachel was going to turn around and, and every time, so you're, you're led to believe she's fervent and just yeah rigid but then every step of the way after that she's bending she's and bend. she's like yes. yeah yeah she'll say to your face you can't do that but also like slide you the past yes right 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 because yeah. i can't tell you you can do it but i'm also gonna look the other way and she's also trying she's also trying to run this orphanage in the most efficient way possible while trying to make it not a hardship on certain people and she, and you know she she's can't randomly giving people a day off she's like yes. you need a day yes off. and she physically and she physically has to say like you have to leave we can't pay you anymore mm-hmm. we can't pay you for overtime and even like like you know if they said you know well you don't have to pay me then she was like you still need time like you can't you, like this can't you need be your to, life you yes. gotta get out of here yes. you gotta get out of here you need your own mental health and get so i have two more notes and they are com- they come at the very very end of the book so um <sighs> as we said jane has been arrested she somebody did put her name in the in tamboro tamboro yeah somebody did put her name in and we find out that it's emily fucking bitch ass hoe no right it was the pastor it was the pastor. I thought Emily was the one who no, told he talked to Emily and then Emily was he the put one his, who... he put her own fucking name in the box, which is no. kind of ridiculous because he's just he's gonna just fucking read the box. Anyway. So um Ooh, so she's book questions. She's basically languishing in, in jail, waiting to find out what her punishment is gonna be because you know, she's seeing all these girls come through who have who have had abortions, but she hasn't yet seen a Jane get caught at who helps with abortions. Um so she's sitting in jail. And she's saying, I would give anything to hear the smooth notes of a saxophone drifting across the gathering place right now. I would give anything to see people strolling through this square, laughing and chatting under the sycamores and ducking into restaurants. How I delicate must have once been. And then I realized something so crazy, I almost want to laugh. It wasn't perfect for some people. For some people, today is perfect. The dystopia that my grandparents fearfully saw coming was the dawn of a utopian a utopian society for others. They think the southerly state is exactly as it should be. Finally, I don't belong here. And I know unequivocally that after this Sunday morning, I will find a way to leave this place. I will find a way to get myself to that mythic northerly state, or perhaps even the glimmering Pacific sea that has lured me 
with a siren's call for my entire life. I have to. Um, That struck me as one of those things where it's just like, I I was very much like, how difficult is it for them to move? to go to the northerly state. At one point, there's a mention of the fact that there is borders and there's guns and officers okay. of the state on the border. And she mentions the fact that there's probably another So you don't have tunnel. free will enough to move to a different place? Like, that's my question. You like, probably it's just, could from the north to the south, but not the other way. I just... That's so bonkers to me. That's so bonkers to me. It's so crazy. Like, again, but it's a... It, it's a... The authoritarian rule is mm-hmm. just, you know, like a North Korean can't defect to the the south South, korea you know what i mean like so anyway then lastly um i think this is like you know how i love to i love to get on to the last thing so i have said so much of my story i think i've said everything but my god have i still not said my real name it's just as well that woman will not exist beyond today there is blessed relief in that thought of shedding this old name and this old life and breaking through borders and walls to come out the other side the punisher takes a step toward me he looks strong but you know what i think i'm stronger No matter what they say, I know I'm not an anomaly or a heroine or the devil. I am simply one woman, any woman, every woman, womb, man. I send up a prayer to Ophelia and square my shoulders. Best to get on with it. Right before she's going to get whipped. Yeah. Womb, man. And it's so, like, that's one of those things to me, too, where it's just like, again, I was... Was that the battery? We're almost done. We're almost done. So that's very much like... um, Wait, let me just save it. Um, so yeah, I think that was just very, I don't know. It was, it was stark for me to see like, you know, question. I don't remember where we left off. <laughs> Do you remember? <laughs> no, I know. But like, what, what was I saying before we paused? Shit. I don't remember. Anyway. Um, I, I loved, I, I just loved how strong she seemed at the end and like saying, you know, I'm stronger. I'm a stronger person. And, um, I don't know. She is. She is. She clearly is, like, without question. And, um, she I don't didn't know. crumble when somebody said no to her. Like, the preacher fucking lost his mind. When yeah. He was yeah. fucking weird. Yeah. He's so weird. Yeah. But, but that's the nature, in my opinion, and this goes back to our Barbie conversation. That's the nature of women. We have to be just a little bit stronger. Yeah. Because we have to deal with so much more. Yeah. There is so much more that is piled on top of us, piled on top of us and piled on top of us. And we can physically and mentally deal with it it. better. We can have both feeling and logic at the Mm -hmm. same time. Yes. That might've been one of my favorite lines from the movie. (laughs) Um, So real quick, I just want to say the, about the author. So HR Bellicosa is a writer, avid traveler, and most importantly, a proud mom. She lives with her husband, son, a sweet dog, and a cantankerous cat, all of whom make her laugh every day. I love that. That's all we have to say on this one. Yes, this very good prescient book. But <laughs> so let's go to our epilogue. All right. Okay. All right. The epilogue. Katie, I meant to look up what we were reading next, but I don't remember. Isn't it Killers of the Flower Moon? It is Killers of the Flower Moon. <laughs> I already started it. Um, yes, Killers of the Flower Moon. I'm super excited to read that one. This was a this was a um a recommendation from uh producer Chris. Producer Chris picked it. Yes, he did. So I think that he's gonna join us. Um I certainly hope so. I would hope so. Um to discuss that one. I'm looking forward to it. Your dad wanted you to read this one too, yep. right? And I have it 
Yes. It's excellent. on my nightstand. It's excellent. gonna finally move a book from my nightstand. Yay! I I started reading it and I'm 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 enthralled. I'm I'm very interested. Um, you know, it's not the typical book that we would pick nope. up, but I love but that about it. But it's FBI, so it's it like... is. Yes, it's very it's very it's very true crime esque because you know there's murders involved in it. There's mm-hmm. like you know bringing in the police and the FBI and whatever. And I'm I can't wait to talk about it. I'm so excited. Me too. Um, so in the meantime, follow us on our socials uh, uh, on Twitter and Instagram at to be read pod. Email us if you have any questions. Want to, you know, chat with us. Maybe anybody other than Tony, but Tony as well. But Tony, you better, yes. we better get at least one, if not two, emails from you about these yes. double episodes. Uh, to be read pod at gmail.com. And please, please, please join us next time. When we make your to be read pile one book shorter. Bye, everybody. Bye. To be read is hosted by Sarah Westcott and Katie Willey. Produced, edited, and mixed by Chris Turo. Logo concept art by Rhiannon Kenfield. Graphic design by Steve Pius. Theme song, Read to Me, written and performed by Austin Maffa. Okay, hi everybody. This is Sarah Westcott. And this is Katie Willie. And this is To Be Read. The podcast where we talk about books and the cocktails that go with them. And today we have a very special guest. Yay, the author <laughs> of The Punishings. Uh, we have HR or Heather Bellicosa with us today. Um, Heather, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to be here with us. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, like I said a little earlier, we have just a few quick questions for you. We don't want to take up a lot of your time. So I'm just going to get right to it if that's okay. Sure. Sounds good. Um, so, okay. I'm going to start with my first question. Uh, the Punishings was published in November of 2021. And I'm curious, was it a COVID project for you? It was actually not a COVID project. I wrote it um in 2019 and the very start of 2020 but then um went on a little hiatus with it um while i got an agent and we submitted it to publishers believe it or not um march of 2020 (laughs) so wow it was literally right as soon as um the world shut down and my agent said this is going to be a little tricky because you know everybody's all of a sudden working from home and the editors have little kids and so it was very complex um time and in the end then it wound up not getting traditionally published because they were very nervous about the um the time being so i wound up publishing it on my own because i thought it was a story that i really wanted to get out there we are so yeah and yes same and and that leads me to the second part of the question for me was um what made you want to write this book specifically was there something in your life um, or is it just, you know, the, the world and the, where the country is headed at large? It was the, the fear of what the world at large and this country, the direction that it's headed. Um, I think it was, you could really see the writing on the wall, the, um, the introduction to religion in a lot of aspects, politicians really pushing that, um, seeming to know the buttons to push for their followers and supporters. And... I truly think a lot of them don't actually have a religious or moral um, stance against abortion, but I think they know that their supporters do. And so it seemed mm-hmm. like that was the hot button top that they would be able to rile people up with. And I think, unfortunately, um, that's just made it more difficult for women to just access health care. And that really angered me. So that was the um, catalyst for, for the project. Yeah, I, I, com- I want to just briefly jump in and say, I completely agree with you 100%. Um, and I find it funny that, you know, they push it so hard when it's also a clearly a losing um, political stance. 
you, you understand? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, it, it, yes, abortion wins at the ballot every time. So yes, and yeah, yeah anything proven over and over again. And politicians making healthcare choices, that's women never win. Right, exactly, exactly. Um, okay, Katie, you're next. Sure, so uh, my first question is, what was your actual writing process for this book? Um, I, I'm pretty visual, so I actually would make like poster boards of, like I had one for the Southerly State and Louisiana, and I make um, a lexicon. I've, I read this somewhere once where you just write down a, a bunch of words, sometimes they rhyme, sometimes they don't, that um, are, are going to fit into your book, and then you look back on the lexicon and see where you could fit it in. So I tried to do that with the setting to get heavily into the place of uh, like the bayou and the southerly state and Louisiana in general. And then I write out a timeline. Um, I knew basically where the story wanted to go. So I had a pretty strict timeline and outline that I followed. Interesting. Um, okay, um, and that kind of leads into mine as well. Uh, this book seems to be very carefully researched. And in fact, uh, much of the horrible things we read about or read about, I'm sorry, were pulled directly from our horrifying history of demonizing women. Uh, was there anything that you researched uh, that flat out just shocked you and floored you? Or was it pretty much, you know, um, yeah, I knew that this this happened in the past. I think the the things like the Salem witch trials and things I pulled from that, I pulled um, the Tamboro from Florentine history. Um, what really surprised me was when I went through and read that Umberto Echo's The 14 Ways of Identifying a Black Shirt, I believe it's called. Um, it basically goes through fascism. And when you read that list, we are so close to so many things that that's really horrified me. Um, and I did read a quote one time, I believe it was a, like a Harvard professor or was one of the Ivy League, um, it was a theology professor. And he said, the next time that you will see fascism, it's not going to be in a Nazi uniform. It's going to be like in a priest robe holding an American flag. Yeah. And that yep. was like, whoa, <laughs> chills. And I, I feel like we're, we're nearly there and it's horrifying to me. Yes. And I think that was one of the, one of the hardest part about reading your book is that we can um, see it happening in real time in a way, you know, I mean, maybe it's not, that extreme yet, but there's also a possibility that that extreme will happen, you know? Right. And yep, we hope yeah. it's not too late. Like, I hope I never want to see it come true, but. <laughs> same, same. And uh, hopefully we do not. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, oh, goodness gracious. But yeah, I, you know, the just visualizing your world was unfortunately incredibly easy for us to do, I think, Katie, right? While we were reading yeah. it. Really? And yeah. it's that it doesn't seem that far off at all. Yeah, yeah. Right, um, sadly, mm -hmm. yeah. I hope we could turn it around. I hope it's not too old. <laughs> all right, Katie, you up. All right, so my next question is, was I'm gonna, it's like a two part question, but I'll just do it all at one time. So was Jane intentionally okay. left single to allow the relationship with the pastor to develop? Or did you have any outlines where Jane wasn't single? I always had her single and I never saw her but I think it would love that it would have been so hard because of the nature of a man and let her into her job mm -hmm. life that um, I think it was easier to just have her be with no ties. And then that did make it easier definitely to have the pastor kind of slip in there because she was single. He was so creepy. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's, he's hor horrifyingly creepy. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know what you guys, what you were picturing when you wrote about him, but I kind of, have you ever seen those... Um, 
uh, like Slender Man. I kind of pictured him. <laughs> no, I don't know who that is actually. <laughs> oh my god! Just honestly, look at look him up and just put a little hat on him because I don't think he wears a hat. But if you look him up, it's that's what I pictured. It's just a very tall white man, very scary looking. <laughs> that's what yeah, I pictured well, every time. That, that's what I was going for. So that's good. I'm glad. <laughs> okay, good. Good. Like a totally white, stark skin. Like it's, yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Very pale, like light yeah. eyes. That's how I picture Yes. Him. Yeah. Yeah. I had him like in my mind as very uh, horror film priest, old, skinny. What I think I had him in my mind older than he actually was, or maybe. <laughs> <And> just... <laughs> if you got the creepy part, then that's good. I'm glad. That's really better. <laughs> For sure. Um, just keeping up with Jane, uh, we never learned her true name. Um, uh, we call her, I believe her last name is Dupree, right? Jane Dupree? Yes. Yep. Um, had you originally planned to name the character or was she always meant to be sort of an anonymous talk? I wanted to keep her anonymous to go by Jane just because, again, that is something that I took from history where, you know, in the 60s when there was that network of Janes. And then um, I thought at the end, right at the end, maybe I would reveal the name. But then I thought, you know what? She was just one of many women. I think I would rather mm -hmm. keep her to just be one of many and keep her I sort of anonymous in that way. Yeah. And that was one of my favorite parts of the book, I believe, at the end when you said, you know, when she's saying, have I not even told you my name yet? I can't believe that. But maybe I shouldn't. You know, I, I really I really that resonated. You know, it was very relatable because it could be anybody. Oh, thank you. I'm glad. Yes, that's what I was going for, for sure. Just yeah. one of many. Yeah. Love that. All right. So <laughs> I want to say that I was exceptionally grateful that you did not kill the dog. <laughs> yeah, that was like, a, yes, <laughs> that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> so my question is, do you have any pets that influence the creation of Miles? I have a dog. He's a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel, and he's he's so sweet. And that yes, we have a, a bond where I could never kill the dog, and I don't like reading books where the animals die. No, so, yeah, people are one thing, but yeah, <laughs> I only read a book, and it was a really great book. And then they killed a puppy, and I was like, I hate you. I like I yeah. just, <laughs> you can't kill puppies. <laughs> no, it's it's horrible. Honestly, any pets, it's it's really is awful. Kill kill some people, that's fine, I guess. That's <laughs> right. The world is burning, but no, don't kill the pet. <laughs> yep. Okay, we we have two more questions, and I think they're like the heavier hitting ones. So, um, let's see. Uh, we never actually witnessed Jane's punishment at the end of the novel, and in fact, the novel seems to end on a hopeful note, even as she is being essentially walked to the gallows. Does Jane find her way north? I like to think that she does. Um, okay. Some people have asked me if there's a sequel and it's maybe there's <laughs> yeah. one in my head, but there's no plans to to write one as of now. But I feel like her goal was to get Cayman out of there. And while she wanted to stay for a while and help women, it was then imperative that she leave. And, you know, she kind of saw that nothing was going to get better there. It was time for her to go. But it's funny that you say that about a hopeful note, because um, one of the editors that we submitted to had specific like my ending was actually different originally and the ending was less hopeful and and I did show the punishment and someone said like that was like really brutal that was really hard to read um if you just ended on a more hopeful note so I went back and I changed it and gave like the kind of light at the end of the tunnel and was a yeah. lot less graphic with it in the end so I like to think that she did find her way north and and took Cayman out before she she went there I, you know, as I was reading it, I did, I really enjoyed that hopeful note. Um, personally, I was very worried for her at, at, during that walk to the, you know, the uh, quote unquote gallows, because 
we never, and she has never witnessed the punishment of a Jane. So I was worried for her in the sense that we don't know actually what her punishment is. It is, is it the same as um, one of the girls, you know, who's been helped? I, or is it worse? You know, so you said that you had actually written that punishment out. Was it worse? It was, it was. Okay. Yes. Okay. And um, that got immediately like, don't do that. Like from, like, we heard that from several people. Like that was, it was too much. Um, yeah. I like, I think that if in the real world, it probably would have been worse. So that's Absolutely. why I had that like that. I, um, yeah, yeah like but be allowed to continue to live. <laughs> uh, you broke up. Can you say that again? Oh, I said I. I feel like she wouldn't be allowed to live. Like they would actually beat her until she died. Right. Right. And there was yeah, such that's women. You know, so I think they would almost relish it. Right. Exactly. So I, I'm actually happy that it ended on the, the more hopeful note because you know, I mean, it was such a difficult read already that almost not knowing lets us kind of fill that story in itself and, and just be like, okay, she made it North. I know she made it North and, and I'm happy for her. You know? Oh, good. I'm glad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was hard, but um, all right, Katie, uh, you go with our last question. Well, we have two more. Cause remember I added one. <laughs> oh, okay. Yes. Right. Sorry. <laughs> so this novel was published only seven months before the Supreme court overturned Roe v. Wade. Um, would you have approached this novel any differently? Had you written it in a post Roe world? Or do you think that the future landscape you laid out is more possible now that we are on our way there? I think oh, we kind of talked. That's a good question. Um, I don't know that I would have written it had I started after Roe fell, only because I feel like people would have thought like, well, now you're just sort of copying events as they happened. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that it would have been as interesting to write or then to read. Like, I like that people could read it now and say, oh, wow, it actually was written before this happened. But yes. I think if I wrote it after, it would be more likely you kind of just took the bullet points from a timeline that actually happened. So I don't know that I would have even attempted to. I I like that. I, yeah, I'm, 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 I think we both said, you know, when we discussed this book, how, how crazy it was that you wrote it before that. And, you know, we both thought that it came out after uh, the Roe v. Wade decision was overturned. So, um, right. yeah, interesting. Right. I think you mentioned right. about the author or the afterward that, that you had already, it was already going before it happened and that it was kind of shocking to you. And I was like, I can't imagine being that like prolific in your writing that you're causing things to actually happen. <laughs> <laughs> I should write a more happy book, Ben. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, it was kind of strange to see that. Okay, oh, go ahead. I, I, no, no, I'm like, no, just piggybacking off of that. It was, it's, it's, you know, obviously me and Katie are very, um, you know, liberal women and uh, it's, it's scary to see where things are headed. Um, but to end things on a more happy and uplifting note, um, we both were curious, um, what's your favorite book or what is your favorite uh, genre of books? Or answer both questions, please. <laughs> Okay, I think my favorite genre would be um, I, I love historical fiction. So a lot of that. Mm -hmm. um, I like like literary fiction. I guess you could call it more like you know up um, upmarket book club books. Um, I think one of the favorite books I've ever read is well, I have to give a nod to The Handmaid's Tale and inspiration from that too. I've always loved The Help from a long time ago. I still that resonates with me from ages ago. Um, mm -hmm. 
And there's a book by Sue Monk Kidd called The Invention of Wings. Did you ever read that? It's such a beautiful book. We did. We read it for book. We did read that one, right? Yeah, that was yeah. a very good book. You yeah. Did. Yeah. yeah, I just thought her writing was so beautiful in that. I really liked the story. So that one stuck with me too. I love it. That's amazing. We, we, um, uh, I love historical fiction myself. Um, and I, I like it when, you know, fantasy becomes involved too. So it's like historical fantasy fiction. I don't know. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. But um, I, I, that's all the questions that we have. Katie, do you have anything else? or? No, I just am really grateful that you were time and talk to us. And I am so grateful to Tony for recommending this book and putting us in contact with you. As am I. Yes. I've actually not met him yet. He works with my husband. And so we've not met face to face. We've done some emailing and we keep saying one of these days we really need to meet in person. Yeah. So I'm looking forward so to meeting him. We also have not met him and he gives us feedback on almost every single episode that we oh. record. So we <laughs> like all go for a beer or something together. I would 100% be up for that. We should make that happen. Well, <laughs> are you, you, you are local, right? You're in Saratoga, I think I read or something. Um, no, a little bit south of there. Gotcha. But yeah. Okay. Okay. Interesting. All right. So yes. yeah, we should totally get together for a beer Absolutely. sometime. Absolutely. <laughs> I would love to. I so appreciate you both reading it and taking the time and having me on. This was wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. And Heather, if you ever write anything again, please let us know so we can add it to our, our queue of, uh, you know, to be red pile. So <laughs> thank you so much, ladies. And I, I'm going to hold you to the drink. That would be fun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for doing this, Heather. We appreciate Have a good it. Night. Bye. You too. Thanks. Bye.